0: Welcome to Navigating Change, everybody. The podcast from Teibel, Inc. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm here with Howard Tidal How are you, man? I'm great, Pete. You know, you were always so up. I, I love that. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, it's uh, a combination of, uh, you know, naturopathic chemicals and, and uh, my fancy chai lattes. Yikes. Let's not go there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And it's we all, move on. It's all it's all health man and and we're talking about uh, organizational institutional finance health. You just wrapped up uh, Nakubo 2013 and I want to hear all about it. What you uh, what'd you come away with? It's awesome. It was, was
1: uh, it? well there were so many good things about it. Uh, you know, one of the one of the big takeaways that really touched me was Franz Johansson, who wrote the book The Click Moment. And, you know, his talking about serendipity and luck and and really making a business case for serendipity and luck, and it was just remarkable. It it really told the story of, you know, you can make plans, and I love this quote, you know, know, we make plans and God laughs. That ultimately so resonated with me that— we do need to plan and, and have a structure and an idea, but we have to be open to this idea that things come our way and we get to seize those moments and luck plays a part in it. And we have to be ready to sort of pay attention and not have our blinders on if something shows up and say, maybe we should pursue that. So, you know, I looked at that and I heard him talk about it in this unpredictable world. And it's sort of that's the new mantra of today that everything's about unpredictability. But the truth is, it's always been like this.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, the truth about it is, uh, you know, that unpredictability uh, is is uh, seems to be about a- a- executing, being prepared to execute at a moment's notice.
1: Well, you know, that's perfect transition because, you know, I've been doing a lot more work with, and, and institutions are trying to explore what does it mean to be innovative, and ultimately to be innovative, you have got to be willing to brainstorm and step back and come up with ideas that are quote unquote out of the box. The thing that he talks about. That I really love is bridging that idea of innovation, which is really about exploring ideas, with execution, and, and which is really about acting. You know, he he said he had a great quote. He, he said the purpose of strategy is not to figure out the right answer. The purpose of strategy is to convince yourself to act. I love the personal responsibility associated with that. You know, we can't control others, but we can control. Our own willingness and ability to take action and not wait for all the
0: stars to light up. Oh, yeah, that's big. You know, there was a, I, I heard a, in an unrelated context, I heard a panel discussion from, uh, let's see, these gentlemen's uh, names, uh, John Gruber and Merlin Mann, were presenting. It was a tech conference, and they ended up wrapping around to this conversation called, uh, um, where they came up with this concept called obsession times voice. And mm. and the the key to sort of motivating you through complex problems is uh, is is inspiring us that certain degree of obsession and then giving yourself the voice with which to act, mm. and, and and I I that that's what I'm hearing here. It's that it's that uh, uh, that reconditioning the institution uh, at f- starting at the individual level uh, yeah. to act uh, on those on those impulses.
1: And just yesterday, I had a conversation with some close friends, and it's so clear to me, and and. I think to all of us, this idea that it has to start with yourself. You know, as much as we love this idea about organizational change, the more I do this work, the more I realize that I don't care what level you are at an institution, you need to look in the mirror, see if you're part of the solution or part of the problem, and be willing to tell the truth about it, which is another sort of Next piece that I took away in this panel, this wonderful panel, uh, Larry Ladd from Grand Thornton got up there and he talked about this idea that, you know, we've got classic roles and responsibilities uh, in the business office, you know, roles, duties, ethical responsibilities. And he said, there's another role that we need to bring out more is the role of the truth teller. And that's like, that really struck me, you know, this idea that, you know, we're really good at presenting facts uh, but we need to present them in a way so that the truth can be heard and 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 be willing to speak truth is often a challenge in in an environment where, if, for example, we get brought in to help with something uh, we 're looking to move something down the road, and sometimes the thing we need to do is challenge the very person or the thing. That the people who have brought us in are suggesting me to do and so the bottom line is the only way to do that is around building trust and that's a conversation if you if you get involved in an engagement one of the early things you want to do and i think i could even be doing this more is have a conversation how open are you to when i discover something that may be something that you're doing or not doing, how open are you to hearing that and, and engaging in that conversation?
0: That seems like that may very well be the most dangerous question you can ask. It is a very
1: dangerous <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah, because I think that sort of implicit is, I'm not interested. Uh, what does that, that say about
0: have... you and your organization, if you say, no, I'm not interested? Even well, if you're see, saying it to yourself. Dilemma.
1: But you know, whether you bring in a consultant or you're working with people internally, I think that concept of truth telling and being willing to have a conversation about are you willing to hear a, a view that you may find yourself getting defensive about or even resent that it's being raised, but can that be on the table as a conversation? And I think what we don't do enough of is raise those rules early on, because when we find out that there's something to be spoken, if we don't have that
0: permission, there's no room to bring it up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there, there is this sense that, um, that the person in that position, the role of the truth teller, is this sort of mover of rocks and carrier of water. And if you want to inspire and build that trust, you've got to be willing to take on the hardest questions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, you know, I just you, you also uh, ended up uh, involved in some uh, members-only uh, work with the NCAA or NCAA. There's like six A's. <laughs> That's right. Uh, to that, it's a very powerful organization. Lots of A's. Right. Uh, the athletic business officers tell me a little bit about uh, about that uh, session well i 'll
1: tell you there was there was two events that that have such a similarity, so I, I led a focus group between uh, individuals who work for on the academic side of the house, and you know, you can call them uh, the chief business officer or, or the or the business officer of for example, in a particular school. they work for the dean, and their job really is to keep the trains moving for that particular school so so we, there was a panel with. What we'll call uh, academic officers and business officers talking about how do we create greater collaboration, and then there was the the NCAA event, which was a two day event uh, where the conversation had a very similar quality, you know and I think that the, the key learning uh, around that is you know these the the finance division lives in a silo, just like the academics units live in a silo, and to what extent can and this was a this was a wonderful insight in both events is the finance people when i when I raised this idea that if you're if you're in the central financial area, to what extent do you get up out of your chair and do you leave your office and go meet the folks outside of your area on their terms because if you do that, you will dispel a you will begin to dispel a myth about who you are because the myth is, is that you 're out there you basically are controlling, you know, the controller, all the finances, and you really don't know what we're doing. You don't have an interest in what we're doing. And I think there's a real collective sense it's, it's, there's value of doing it. And finance officers raise their hand and said, yeah, when I do this, it makes such a difference. I understand how hard it is to do partially because of the, the the time constraints but but I think on some level it's an excuse to not get up
0: out of your chair and meet the other side on their turf it it's a concept that takes that that sort of um you know, we hear this management by walking around thing, Yeah, exactly. I, I, you know, which, which I think is easy to, to, to kind of spin off as a platitude, right? You, you know, just walking around is, is something that, you know, we do, we walk to the water cooler, we walk to the bathroom, but what you're saying, which I like so much is the idea that you're walking around and, and meeting the team on their terms. I think that those three words on their terms are so important. Yeah. and, and I think we don't do it uh,
1: partially because we're not willing to challenge ourselves to another level. And I think this is where things are going. I think there are there are enough leaders and there's a story to tell that it's really about having enough confidence in yourself to be willing to bring the other side to the table, whether you go to them or you ask them to come, listen, I want to sit down and meet with you, because it's really about collaboration. And we talk about that. We use that term all the time. But... It really is the case that these groups have to work better together, and if they don't learn how to work better together and to achieve really their same mission. I mean, what's very interesting, Pete, is if you talk to academics, they think that the financial side or the service side don't have the same understanding of what the mission of the institution is. And so there is a disconnect between the two groups when, in truth they are all they are both serving the mission, but in different ways but it's like they're having two different they're they're speaking two different languages. The only way they're going to bridge that is if they find themselves around each other more and and someone's going to take the first step. I would suggest it's the finance side of the house that has to take the first step or the service side. It's not just the finance division. It's all the other auxiliary functions that are in service of the mission
0: of teaching and research oh that's uh, you know there is so much more that we should be talking about here and i think uh we've got excellent fuel for f- further conversations as we as we sort of uh, wrap up this conversation you know you think about the last nearly what 30 years you've been in this business and you look at at um, you know nakubo's um uh, effort here to you know their tagline even driving innovation right uh you know driving innovation uh, in higher education uh, how well do you think they executed on that theme this year and and uh how would you uh sort of qualify the change in the uh, change that you've seen in the organization uh you know this year uh, as opposed to past
1: i, I think nakubo is ahead of the curve pointing to something that uh they've been talking about for years but just like the term change management i remember when i was talking change management 10 years ago and it 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 felt to the people i was talking to they just didn't understand it they didn't and they didn't understand it because it didn't have it just didn't resonate as something that was important and then big projects people would do failed and they realized what they didn't do was get buy-in And then change management became sort of the new thing in the last five to 10 years. I think the same is true with innovation. We've been talking innovation for years. And I think the difference now is Nakubo is finding a way of of telling a story that if we don't, as the finance leaders of the institution, take greater responsibility... Uh, for driving change, there is nobody else. This idea that the people that are in these divisions that that have both the metrics and the ability to look at data they 're the only ones that can really move the needle uh and and it 's not about them saying this is what we have to do it's about them saying we have really good information let's bring the parties together and figure this out together and I, and and the kubo is actually doing a much fuller job of attempting to bring academics and non-business people non non-business side of the house to the table and it's um it's a challenge because it's you know there's an identity here that business officers have, which is you know we run the numbers, and there is a leadership thing that's emerging, which is no, we have to pay, play a much bigger role.
0: That's fantastic. I you know it it seems just in hearing you reflect on this that there is a much better sense of what the problems are now than there have been in past. Absolutely, uh, past and events. and the problems are not only big. There is a,
1: I think people are feeling the urgency, and that there's a. There's a there's a window of opportunity that if some institutions don't get their hands around this, they're at risk of of really having to rethink in very quick order, you know, what are they offering? You know, downsizing their schools, changing their, you know, what 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 their whole enrollment strategy is. So I think everybody's trying to figure out how how much of an intervention do we have to make to keep us moving in the right direction. Some schools don't have the issues, you know, sort of the premiers can almost, they could almost ignore this and, you know, play around the edges and play around with MOOCs. The majority of institutions, whether they're research, whether they're community colleges, have a problem in front of them. But if they attack it in the way of let's solve this together, they're going to be able to be a leaner and, and I think a more effective
0: organization. Well, I think that's a great way to wrap up this conversation, and we have much more to talk about in coming weeks, Uh, so I will leave it at that. Howard, thank you so much for for taking the time to sit down and chat and share your reflections from Nakubo 2013 and uh, you can find us if you are listening to us you can find us on the website at Tybalink.com uh, you can subscribe to the podcast Navigating Change in the iTunes store that is by far the easiest way to uh, find and subscribe to Navigating Change uh, and make sure you don't miss a single episode of uh, you know Howard's uh, great wisdom in, in, this your,
1: in your great wisdom piece not yeah. just me oh, I'm a stuff I'm a brother. stuffed
0: shirt man what are, you're the you're the hero <laughs> of this thing and no. uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, that's uh, thank you, everybody for joining us, and we'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybalink.